Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Detour Life. Detour Life is a game changer for both family law professionals and clients alike. Detour Life is an innovative online program which guides clients to easily input and organize the exhaustive document and financial disclosure process and provides professionals with streamlined and secure case management. In addition, Detour Life has comprehensive client onboarding, a secure document repository, income and expense sync, parenting plan agreement features, and much more. I use Detour Life myself, and honestly, one of my favorite features, and one that my clients love as well, is that they can securely link all of their financial accounts directly to the Detour Life platform so that their information is automatically uploaded and updated as time goes on. So whether you're getting a divorce or are a divorce professional, I urge you to check it out yourself. Go to Detour Life, that's D-T-O-U-R dot L-I-F-E, and sign up for their free 14-day trial. Then use code SUSAN20 to get 20% off the cost of subscription. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. Or if you don't want to get divorced, but you want to get through with the least amount of cost, you know, complexity and collateral damage, you both unfortunately have to work together. You you might make more decisions to get divorced than you would have made staying married for the next 10 years. And people don't understand that when they decide to get divorced. You are in a lawsuit with your spouse, period. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello, listeners. This is just a quick note to let you know there are some minor audio issues for my guest this week, but her content was so great that I didn't want you to miss hearing from Heather. So listen in. I think you're going to find it's well worth it. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today we're joined again by Heather Locus, one of my friends here in Chicago. Hi, Heather. Hello. So Heather was here way back in the beginning of Divorce and Beyond, um, helping us with uh, all of the financial issues to consider when negotiating your divorce. That was a very popular episode. I, I will put a link to it in the show notes. But I asked her to come back because, frankly, when you can get someone with Heather's level of experience um, in the world of divorce finance, you grab her and ask her to come back on whenever you can. So I very much appreciate your taking the time, Heather. Thank you. It's my pleasure. It's really fun. Yeah, I love doing these episodes. Um, I always learn new things. I've learned a couple of new things getting ready for this episode today. Um, but let me first just give everybody that background on on why you are such a leading expert, because you really are one of the country's leading divorce financial professionals. You are a, a voice for divorcing couples, um, a, a source of education, 
and you help people nationwide, um, especially as they're going through divorce. You are one of the owners at B, uh, CI, BDF, Private Wealth Management. And although you're located here in Chicago, you guys work with people pretty much everywhere, don't you? Yep, all over the U.S. All over the U.S. So, um, and uh, I, I'm going to tell everybody all the initials after your name just because I enjoy <laughs> that so much. So you are a CPA a CFP and a CDFA. So just tell everybody, I know CPA, Certified Public Accountant, CDFA, Certified Divorce Financial Analyst, and? Certified Financial Planner. Okay, folks. So she's got them all. Is there another one? Did I miss one? No, I mean, those were the key designations and they do each have their own role. Um, but as you all know, you know, I think part of what helps me so much in helping balance those tax, legal, and financial issues with the emotional component is the combination of the executive coaching and collaborative training I've had, the divorce mediation training I've had through Northwestern, um, as well as being through it personally and being scared to death, holding my financial statements in my purse, you know, being up at night and all of that. So the combination of the technical training, the personal experience um, and living it, you know, for more than a decade is definitely helped. And then obviously, as you, we all know, helping families professionally is the best experience to help others make smart decisions in advance. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, I, I've just taped a few other episodes today as well. And sort of a common theme in what we've been talking about is, you know, that once we've all been through this experience and and you mentioned, you know, the, the fear that sometimes surrounds this, even if you are a leading financial expert or divorce attorney. Um, I remember being very nervous about my f future, even though I was a divorce attorney going through a divorce. So you do a lot beyond working with clients to support people and provide information. I just want to mention um, you, you've you written a new book. Um, this one is available for those who are watching on the video. It's um, I'm holding it up here. This was at the request of the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers. Let me just point out, the leading divorce attorneys in the country asked you to write this book for them. So that tells you something right there. It's called Financial Issues in Divorce, A Client Handbook, and it is available on the AAML website. We'll have a link to that um, for everyone. And the name of your first book, Heather? The next chapter, which is a practical roadmap for navigating through and beyond divorce. Which is fantastic. It's in my other office, or I'd be holding that up as well. Um, and that one is not available. That is um, a, a something that Heather uh, wrote and gives to her clients and to others to help support them on the way. One of the little tips about that book is it comes in a beautiful like cover. Heather's going to be holding hers up. It comes in a cover that you can't tell what it is. So that and it doesn't say divorce on it at all. So it's a wonderful resource as well for people. And then you write, you you do a lot of other writing. I'm holding up an article that you recently wrote for Forbes. Um, people can follow you there. You're one of their regular contributors. Um, I'll have a link to this, uh, this blog post as well, uh, because it's kind of what we decided to base today's episode on. Um, in your last appearance, you were talking about you know, the key and significant financial considerations that you need to look at when negotiating your divorce. Um, but for today, we wanted to talk about ways, your top five ways that people can save money 
as they go through divorce. And this is really critical because, again, going back to that clutch in your financials and being afraid, uh, one of the biggest fears around divorce is money. And one of the biggest fears around the money is that the divorce is going to bankrupt you. Yeah, that is true. And some of them are counterintuitive or just something you wouldn't think about. I mean, it's really about starting the divorce smart and organized from the very beginning, from either when you're ready to start or when you, you some you know your spouse tells you that they want a divorce. I mean, I think as simple as setting up a new email that you only use for your divorce communications. Something so simple can save you a lot of time, money, and energy and stress because, you know, most divorces last about two years, anywhere from six months to six years. And when you have to go back and look at communications, to have one email that has all of those documents can really save you a lot of time and energy and can save when you're organizing things to communicate with your team. In addition, it just prevents you from getting surprises and triggers from your work email or from your personal email that you might use for kids, friends, family. Um, so again, just smart decisions through the throughout the way, given that this is a really long marathon, um, can really help time, money, and energy saving. Well, that's that's one of my favorite things about you because most I, I have a lot of um, you know friends in the divorce world. Um, it's a very lovely group of professionals in this space who really want to help people. But many of them, you know, you're a financial professional. Many of them are very focused on helping in their very specific area. But you are so widely read. You you read all kinds of books and and do a lot of um, you know, you research and under and and reaching out for um, information from all different areas. We were just talking about discernment counseling, which you mentioned in this blog, and I just wonder if you would touch on what that is, because many people don't even know what it is, and it certainly isn't something they would expect to hear about from a financial professional. Right. Well, I mean, one of the most cost-saving things you can do is to frankly have a healthy marriage and try to stay married if it's if it's possible. And obviously a lot of times like mine, it, it wasn't the right move. So we did get divorced. Um, but it was funny when I wrote the first book, the next chapter, I had a lot of input for decision sources, had been to going to different study groups, one that was a legal psychological group that met every month. Um, and that was so helpful. And that's really how I learned about discernment counseling. And I was pretty much done with the first book. And then I heard a presentation on discernment counseling from a therapist. And I went back and I said, we need to make this chap in chapter one of the book yeah. because it's so easy to, I mean, it's not always easy to start a divorce, but once someone decides, yes, you can hire an attorney and a professional and get the divorce started. But once you get those wheels turning, people don't often think like I could stop the divorce. And sometimes people don't realize they're, there is space in between the traditional marriage, the way we, you know, at least us 50 and beyond grew up with beaver cleaver marriages, yes. those, you know, traditional marriages and divorce. There's a whole range of what, what might work for people. And so discernment counseling, in my opinion, is such a, a cool concept because it's designed not to fix the marriage. It's designed to pause and say, is working on our marriage the best choice? 
is getting divorced the best choice or is a status quo, at least for right now, the best choice for us? Because it doesn't matter what works for our friends, family and neighbors. Of course, it matters what works in each individual's family situation where they are. And so discernment counseling is a very discreet process. It's one to four sessions, again, not to fix the marriage, not to figure out what happened in the marriage, but to say, this is where we're at and is our best strategy going forward to both get, you know, we both agree we should get divorced. Should we work on the marriage or should we just keep the marriage the way it's going? And it usually comes up when one spouse wants to get divorced and one doesn't. Why I would I encourage the spouse, if it's the spouse who contacts us, who doesn't want to get divorced, is that even if you don't want to slow down and take those one to four sessions, taking the time to process and get a little bit of closure and clarity is probably going to save you a lot of time, money, and energy in the divorce negotiations if you do proceed with the divorce. And I learned about it maybe seven years ago. My experience with people going through discernment, you know, most do end up getting divorced, but I have had, as I mentioned, two people refer to me for divorce. They were ready to get divorced and they wanted a copy of the book and help with their finances. And they learned about discernment counseling from my book and then you know, went through it. And it's so to my knowledge, saved both marriages so far. One's about two years and one's five years. So who knows? But again, those of you that are skeptical that your marriage can be saved, it's also equally, if not more important to help you with the divorce process, make it faster, streamlined, less costly conflict and less collateral damage. Well, first off, it's that moment to take a breath and pause, right? As you said, once you get caught almost in the, the, you know, river flowing of a divorce process, you can feel very much like you are in the rapids and no amount of paddling is going to get you to shore or stop that canoe from moving or whatever's happening to, to try to close out that analogy. But um, it, it also gives you that opportunity to sort of have some conversations with your spouse about how you're going to move forward and making these decisions, which can feel very much like it was made by one of you mm -hmm. and make some decisions about how things are going to go from there. So it's really an incredibly helpful um, process that almost no one knows about. So there you go, folks. We've started off with one money-saving tip because as Heather just said, even if it doesn't end up being that you stay in the marriage, having had those conversations and have taken the time and the space to have them will often be very critical in helping you move forward in a, in a more, you know, amicable way for your family as you restructure. Uh, but you do have five very distinct, really helpful. Um, I, I looked through them all and I'm like, spot on, spot on, spot on. So let's start with that first one because it's kind of that right in that spot on. You say you have to have laser focused priorities and I could not agree more. Yeah, actually, I love your analogy of the rapids and going around because that's often what it feels like. Oh, yeah. Physically, mentally, emotionally. And, you know, I tell people often you're making a series of least worst decisions. Like it's very rare in divorce. You're like, oh, I have two great choices. It's like, oh, my gosh, I have to pick between this and this. And so to have crystal clear you know, focus on what is most important. And, you know, in my book, one of the things I have is like, write it down and put a picture, not only in the book, but wherever, you know, and right now, especially still yeah. kind of where we're doing so much remote, it's like right in front of you, because when you're in the middle of the rapids, you have to focus on. And for me, that was for my kids. I mean, I say that the end of my marriage was not amicable, 
but I chose to make divorce and co-parenting amicable. And it was because I knew that outside of being a good mom for my five and seven-year-old, the best thing I could do for my kids was for them to have a healthy relationship with their dad. And ultimately that was best for me as well. And, you know, now 10 years later, I think we've done a really great job of it. I mean, it definitely has not been easy at times, but it was the smart move. And that's what I'm always about, like the practical smart move. And sometimes, again, that's very counterintuitive. So the laser focus priorities is what's really, really important to you and why, but also what's really, really important to your spouse and why. And, you know, many people like, I don't really care what's important to them, but you do, because if you want to get divorced or if you don't want to get divorced, but you want to get through with the least amount of cost, you know, complexity and collateral damage, you both unfortunately have to work together. You you might make more decisions to get divorced than you would have made staying married for the next 10 years. And people don't understand that when they decide to get divorced, you are in a lawsuit with your spouse, period. And so to have the priorities to focus what's more importantly, and just understand that no matter what, you're going to be lucky to get your top couple of priorities is going to help you be laser focused in your negotiations, in your time with your attorney, and knowing again, what's what's most important to your spouse and why is going to help your attorney and you and mediator, whoever the team is, you know, to come up with a settlement offer and negotiations that will honor your family's values. And again, you you might not care about with your spouse, but you're not going to get a signed document and get to move on without it. Right. It's so important what you just point out there, because so many people think, well, I'm getting divorced. There are laws about divorce. It says what I'm going to get. And that's all going to happen and, and or a judge will ultimately decide. And reality statistics are that I think it's 97 to 98 percent of cases go forward with an agreement, meaning that somehow the, you and your ex figure out how you're going to divide everything up and how you're going to co-parent going forward. That means exactly what you said. So critical for people to understand. You guys are in it together to get to the end. Exactly. And I think your point is somehow you decide together. And unfortunately, when cases aren't amicable, which is more often than not, even though, as you say, 97, 98% settle, so often they settle, because not because they you know made a nice agreement, but because somebody got so fatigued in the divorce that they almost gave up. And that's a big role that we play is helping the client through the process, not give, let the fatigue, the divorce fatigue, let them sign a document that does, hasn't at least thought through the finances and made conscious choices about it. Right. That's a very important point as well, because, you know, there are schools of thought in negotiation where just keep that negotiation going, dragging on, keep the costs building up. And sooner or later, someone's going to fold because they're exhausted. They can't take it anymore or they've, they're running out of money to fuel the fight. Um, that does not lead to an agreement that historically tends to hold up for very long. And by that, I mean, sooner or later, probably sooner, you will find, even with an agreement, you will find yourself back in court because somebody agreed to something that doesn't work. When people sign too quickly, they do end up back in court. And, you know, they they think at the end, like, I, I can't afford this time, money and energy. And so I'm just going to sign and be done. And then that regret sets in and then they want to go back. So again, our role is to really help them pause because it really is a smart money decision. And 
you know, we do that through the process um, of making sure they see what does this look like long term. That's our settle smart. We'll talk about in a little bit, as well as doing a summary of the marital settlement agreement and, you know, looking at how is this implemented and making sure we understand it and that it's really clear because we're the ones that are usually with them for the next 20, 30, 40 years, providing the cash flow, you know, the growth on the portfolio, but the money they need for taxes and as well as obviously to pay the bills. Um, so it's important that the team that's going to be with them understands it and makes sure it's written so it can be implemented and minimizes questions for follow-up on tax issues and things that the follow-up year. Hey listeners, it's Susan. Just wanted to give you a quick reminder to go follow me on Instagram. My handle is at Susan Guthrie ESQ. And you can also follow the podcast at, at Divorce and Beyond. That's where you're going to find a lot of the backstory information, discounts from my guests and experts, and hey, just a little bit more advice, tips, and expert insights to help you on your journey through divorce and beyond. Stay tuned to hear more tips from leading divorce financial professional, Heather Locus, who's here to share more of the divorce financial essentials everyone needs to know. Taking the time to get education when people can, like hopefully listening to this podcast and ideally organizing their finances is going to save them money when they go to interview attorneys, mediators, other professionals, because no matter how much the professionals want to help, I mean, divorce ultimately is about parenting time and finances. If you are enjoying this episode, check out last week's show with Stephanie Raffalock, who helps you to unleash your inner creatrix for a better divorce and a better beyond. You can't just adopt a positive attitude and expect the hurt to go away. It, it hurts to get a divorce. It hurts to go through certain phases of life. That's just a given. You can go into grief and get stuck there, or you can go into grief and know that it's a passage. It's a storm that you walk through. We walk through a lot of storms in the course of life. The storms don't kill us. They don't knock us over. They do make us stronger. And now we return to today's show. And I want to follow up with what you were just saying there, because you are generally working with people that are high net worth and and high, and above. I mean, people who have a number of assets and a, and a great deal of income. But the but the tips that we're talking about here are applicable to anyone at any income level. These are really critical points, whether you have millions or billions in the bank or you're living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. And I mean, the, really, the books came out of the fact I created a webinar about seven years ago because we do work with high net worth families. But I wanted to be able to help so much more, you know, so many more people we couldn't take the time to meet with and help individually. And so I created a webinar and that led into the book and the other content. That's why I write for Forbes is to give the information and the education um, so people, you know, could do it on their own with their attorney if they, you know, read the information. And, you know, one of the things, number one, as you said, was have laser focused priorities. It's not hire the right team that I have as your second step. And the reason is because taking the time to get education when people can, like hopefully listening to this podcast and ideally organizing their finances is going to save them money when they go to interview attorneys, mediators, other professionals, because no matter how much the professionals want to help, I mean, divorce ultimately is about parenting time and finances. And so on the financial issue, the more people can gather for listing of assets, debt, credit report, 
tax returns and have that when they go interview professionals and then be able to show that to them, the the better advice they're going to be able to get and the faster they're going to be able to find the right fit attorney and the right fit mediator if they use it and divorce coach or any other professionals they hire. And so sometimes, again, slowing down a little bit and being organized up front with the right email, doing the education, getting the organization finances can save so much money and energy throughout the process. Really an important point. And it's funny, the episodes with Alex Beattie um, and she and her partner have created something called Divide and Thrive Planner, which essentially walks people through in tiny bite-sized baby steps, how to, what they need to get, where to put it, how to collect it. It's exactly what you're saying. You can save yourself so much time and money by, uh, you use the magic word, getting organized. And it's not just like having your stack of papers in front of you. You got to get it organized in here. And if you can't, that's when you start. Well, and, and even once you do, that's when we step into that second uh, tip that you have, which is assembling the right support team. And I love that you have the word right support right in there. What do you mean by that? Yeah. And I mean, it's so hard to know. I was really lucky that we found the right team up front, but you know, people need to, again, think about what they really, really want and have those priorities and then find the attorneys that are the right fit and other professional members. And, and why I'm saying that is often mediation can be just a great fit for people to have that mediator <laughs> that helps them, you know, the two spouses talk about what's most important to make the, the, agreement and, you know, values and, and how are we going to separate assets and income and parenting time. And so if they can work with that together, either through mediation or collaborative divorce, that's ideal. But sometimes, unfortunately, that isn't going to work. I mean, we see a lot of alcohol abuse, gambling abuse, you know, just on really unfortunate issues that led to the divorce. And sometimes even with those challenging issues, though, collaborative can work really well which as you know means that you sign an agreement that you guys will that you and your team specialized attorneys with extra training will work together to try to come to negotiation and if not and you won't go to court and if you can't agree then you do kind of have to start over which is one of the challenges but also makes it people much more motivated to work together that's really a great solution um when you know there's a huge disparity in terms of knowledge and somebody always needs their attorney involved. It can be a great solution when people are really, really motivated to keep things confidential and don't want anything in court. And again, sometimes when we're working with a, the spouse that, um, you know, maybe doesn't have as many skeletons in the closet, we talk about like, on one hand, you might not care, but overall for your family, it's probably best if you keep it private you always want the breadwinner to keep working and making as much money as he or she can. You know, when people like file, have their attorneys file things at work or do things that might embarrass them in public or put things on social media that might lead to high level executives or high profile celebrities, et cetera, you know, losing business, losing contracts, losing their job, it ultimately just hurts everybody, the non-financial spouse and the kids. And so while in the short run, it feels like it, it's, it might give a little satisfaction. It ultimately is not a smart move financially. In so many ways, it's not a smart move. I have had clients or had cases where one of the parties will call someone's boss and say, 
did you know my spouse is sleeping with your secretary or they're, you know, I mean, people will do things in the heat of the moment. And we understand there's a lot of emotionality around this, but that honestly only end up hurting not only you, but your entire family and raise that conflict level that's already kind of high because they just had an affair with their boss's secretary to the umpteenth level. So and they don't think about when they lose the job, then there's no spousal support. There's less health, no healthcare, but you know, right. oh, difference in the- healthcare benefits, lots of issues. And unfortunately, you know, there are some cases that people can't mediate or do collaboratively and they do have to go full force through the traditional system. And if that's going to be the case, the sooner, you know, that probably the better, like if you really have a contention case, if the spouse isn't going to play ball at all, or try to manipulate things, then you might as well get the clock running in the yeah. court system. And again, hopefully that's not what most people have to do, but it's educating, getting educated on the process, interviewing right fit attorneys and finding the people that are going to help your family restructure with the least amount of cost, complexity and collateral damage that's possible. And some, some families that's, you know, very amicable and some people will never be amicable, but you can still do your part to minimize it. That's all you can control. It's well, and that's the that's the key right there. You can only control yourself, and you can make the decisions for you that are going to work for you, um, but not making those decisions based upon hurting somebody else or getting back at somebody else. Um, and and you know that kind of goes because we were just talking about the the emotion, and and that is the unfortunate or paradigm of divorce or or conun- I call it the divorce conundrum, right? You are hugely emotional. You're upset, you're scared, you're angry, you're all those things. And yet you need to sit down and make these major decisions about your life and about your family and about restructuring. So you say you have to remember it's business. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, it, no matter, like you're saying, no matter how painful it is, you're in a lawsuit and you, while you're trying to come to negotiations with your spouse, that are in the best interest of your family overall and will hopefully leave each of you and your spouse with the, the most money that you can. Um, you, you just have to remember that it's business during the emotion. And remember, again, like with your professionals, they need to understand what's going on. It's really important to have your attorney and any other professionals involved understand big picture, the dynamics. But you also want to understand that every email they read, every text, every call, every meeting, they need to charge you by the minute. Like that's the business of it for them and for you. And so again, to be organized, to pause, to be thoughtful, to, to write an email, to have bullet points, to put the, the most important things and to be, but to not hold back information. Like you don't want to be penny wise and, and found foolish and not tell them things that are going to help them get through the negotiation. So it's always keeping in mind again, like this is a marathon. How do we get to the 26th divorce marathon mile? the smartest way, saving our energy, um, but being really thoughtful through it. And sometimes giving up a little bit more is, you know, worth it because it's not worth the billable hours and the time and energy to keep negotiating for the China or whatever. And sometimes it's knowing like, no, this is worth negotiating for. If understanding what the law might give you in your state given your situation based on your attorney's recommendations. And and if your spouse is really making offers that aren't, you know, in line with what you likely could get. And if it's not enough to reach your goals, then, you know, sometimes the best move is to continue negotiating, even if that means fighting and spending more time in court 
than you'd like to. And it's always making those conscious choices. And so, you know, we talk about in the book, it's natural human emotion when anybody's going through a divorce or any surprise to go through shock, anger, resentment, and then hopefully if you process those to get to acceptance. And so we really try to get people to not make decisions in the shock phase um, and hopefully process as much anger and resentment as they can before they sign the document. And what's hard in divorce is it's a constant cycle. It's like you're continually getting shocked. You know, new things come out, spouse is doing something else, doesn't pick up the kids, it has a significant other, whatever the issue is. But that shock, if people don't pause and acknowledge the shock, anger, resentment, whatever the feeling is, but then pause and say, yes, here's my emotion, but I'm not going to make an emotional decision. I'm not going to make an emotional action that's going to cost me more time, energy, and money. Yeah. And that's so hard to do in the moment. So important to do. Well, and I, I think it's a great point that you make about not making those decisions in the heat of the moment based upon emotion. Um, and you and I talked and touched upon something as we were getting ready to tape this episode about that sort of intersection of emotion and you know your spiritual well-being, so to call, and finances. And we mentioned, you know, I, I always say your peace of mind. Um, it has a dollar sign attached. And you just were saying, sometimes it's worth exactly. the cost of continuing the fight. Sometimes it's not. And only you know, like you want to get good information from your experts, but trust your gut. Like I say, like you're the CEO of your divorce process. You hire a great team, but you are still the leader. You are still in charge, no matter how great your team is. Only you know what's best for you and your family. Right. And, and I like that. You're the CEO of your divorce. That might make a good title for this episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we, I definitely want to touch on Subtle Smart because this is something that's very specific to you and to your company that um, just brings such enormous value to your clients and to the professionals that you work with, right? You work with the teams as the financial professional. So you work with attorneys and mediators, and I know they love you for this. Um, so explain Smart Subtle, explain the concept. Yeah, so this. Subtle Smart is doing projections where we take... Um, either an offer you're thinking of making with your attorney to your spouse, or if you've received an offer from your spouse, or if you're in mediation, you know, a range of outcomes that you guys are narrowing in on with the mediator. And so we only do it when we've gotten some written information from the mediator and or the attorneys, because we want only want to run projections that are based on what's possible in the case, not what people should get or what they think they're entitled to, because we all know that it's only possible what given the assets of the family and given what might happen within the law and or you can get your spouse to agree to. Um, But Settle Smart is about saying, okay, if you got this amount of the property settlement, if you earned this amount of money, if you received X amount for spousal support and or child support, and then you took these responsibilities for the kids, for whatever else might be in your agreement, what does this look like for the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years? And that's really important because you know, we talked about trying to get people to, to focus on what they can control. You can't control the law. You can't control what your spouse can do. But when they can see, here's a potential range of settlement options, again, for property as well as support payments. And 
then they can see what that looks like in the future. If it's not enough, then they can see, well, what if I work and earn more? What if I spend less? Really important in the subtle smart is what do we do with the family home when there's kids? Because most times, both spouses really do want what's best for their kids. And even in multimillionaire divorces, which is what we usually deal with, few people live on half of their assets and income. So almost everybody in divorce has to make some adjustments. And again, often spouses do want to figure out what's going to help our kids adjust to the two households to potentially stay in the school, same school system and make that decision smartly. But they need to understand what that means long term. And a real common misconception is people think, we'll sell it as soon as the kids go to college. Like, well, if, if we can't afford it, they always right? think that if we can't afford it. We'll just get them through high school. And we'll sell. And honestly, sometimes that is the right choice, but sometimes it's not because what people don't think about is while your child support tends to end, you know, when they go to college, they may have some child agreement, your parenting never ends. You're going to co-parent for the rest of your life and maybe co-grandparent. And in college, we spend most of our time, frankly, really helping high net worth couples in terms of kid issues. It's really that college phase because, you know, usually in the agreement, you're going to see what happens, you know, high school graduation and before, but especially high net worth couples are going to typically help their kids some through college. And even non-high net worth are typically helping their kids through college because it's so expensive. And so there's a lot of disagreements on who pays what. In addition to that, I mean, it's really hard in this day and age to raise financially responsible children in one household where the parents get along, much less two. And so we work on those issues. But coming back to keeping the family home and college, it's understandable people think we'll get both spouses, husband, wife, or you know, two wives, two husbands, think we'll get the kids through high school and then we can sell it. But the reality is when they come back from college, if they're not in the same community, that can be really difficult. And when you're already splitting very limited time between two households, that's much more challenging. And if no one lives in the you know suburb or downtown, wherever it was, like the same kind of school system where their friends were, then you as parents are going to get even less time. So sometimes it's counterintuitive. It's actually better to change housing in middle school or high school, not only for the financial reasons, but because even though it's really hard at that time, it helps the kids establish a new home. They feel like they lived there. So then when they go to college and come back, they feel again that they take this home insecurity. Um, so no one, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying our job is to help people brainstorm all possibilities and think through different options we've seen, you know, in the hundreds of divorce cases we've been involved with. Yeah, that brainstorming is is truly critical. And that's actually a great example that you just gave, because that is a, a circumstance that I've seen over and over. Everybody who has agreed, every couple that is agreed in theory that they want to keep the kids in the marital residence through high school, that is just, I swear, the most common thing that people come to the table with. And it's for all yeah. the right reasons. But for all those same reasons and everything that you just said, maybe it's not the right thing. And it's financial, it's emotional. And anyone, I hate to break this to you all, I am the stepmother of three 24-year-olds. Um, if you think that at 18, it all just, like that parenting thing is no longer happening, that is not true. 
right? I mean, you are, as you've said, you're always parents and you're going to be continuing to co-parent and hopefully co-grandparent, although we can <laughs> wait a while on that. Um, <laughs> then, you know, it, it's, it's, it's very critical to be thinking about those things. So having that snapshot or those snapshots into the future, we always say as divorce professionals, we don't have a crystal ball, but in some ways your subtle smart is a little bit of a crystal ball into the it definitely is. It, 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 it absolutely shows if these things happen, this is what this looks like. And so a couple of things, it helps the breadwinners understand, okay, what if I pay this? What if I don't, what does this look tax wise? How can I make smart decisions, separating assets um, being thoughtful that if one spouse has much higher income tax bracket than the other, that even though alimony is no longer deductible for new divorces, 2019 and beyond, we still can do different tax planning strategies. Maybe the breadwinning spouse gives more retirement assets to the non-financial spouse, and then they make much higher retirement contributions that they do get a tax deduction for especially if they're a business owner, that can work really well. So there's different ways that we still can do planning and be thoughtful on what maximizes the after-tax wealth accumulation for each spouse. Um, and, you know, most importantly, whichever one is hiring us that they're really focused on. But again, even though yeah. they're focused on us, we educate them on, but helping your former spouse understand how this is good for them and how they can maximize whatever they do get is ultimately going to have less conflict and is just going to be better for both of you, even if you don't really care how much they have, you know, after tax, which is not uncommon, but it is important. Well, and you do need to remember your kids, if you have children with your ex, they're, they're living in both those households. So a, a need or a lack of finances in one of the households does impact your children. Um, and the, the trickle down is all around, not to mention that conflict you're talking about. Number one predictor for your children having issues arising out of the divorce or not a divorce is the level of conflict between their parents. So anything you can do. And that comes to your last tip. And I have to say, this is really one of those that I know is hard for people, but in so many ways, this will save you money. This will save you time. This will save you aggravation and this will help your kids. And that is you say, take yeah, that. And it, it's honestly the most important thing. You can't control what you walk away with the divorce, but you can control how you act during the divorce and walking away with dignity and having grace, you know, with the people involved. And if you can walk away with that, even though nobody's going to do it perfect, I definitely did it, but I thought I did a good job, you know, for the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years, even if you're not happy with the divorce settlement and you, you know, no one is happy. It's like trying to minimize how many things you're unhappy and how often it comes up. But if you can come back to, yes. I did the right thing. You know, I didn't make emotional decisions. I did acknowledge the emotion. I did process the emotion, but I didn't make emotional decisions. I always was respectful, truthful. Then you'll know you're walking away with dignity and grace. And that's what's going to set you up for the best next chapter. And I mean, that's what we're really all about and trying to help people, you know, focus on through the process and beyond. And beyond. I love that. <laughs> But that's the, such a critical thing. I always say the most expensive words in any divorce are, but it's the principle of the thing. You know, if you want to die on that sword, if you want to, you know, if you want to argue over the principle and the details, as opposed to taking that high road at times, you are going to pay more in money. And you are going to pay more in emotional cost, either for you or your kids. Looking at things, they're not mutually exclusive. 
it can be about the principle and you can make your point and you can still make a smart decision to quantify and say, I've said my piece. I said what I think the principle is. And I'm going to make the smart decision from a financial perspective and a life decision to move on. Yeah. So it, it's so much. I mean, I, I always call them the gold nuggets of an episode. There are so many gold nuggets in this episode for people that, you know, if you, if you can follow these, if you can take these to heart, you really can save money as you move through the process. There is no way to get, I have a, a video on my YouTube channel. Can you get a free divorce? No, there, there is no free divorce, uh, but you can drastically minimize both the financial and the emotional cost by, and, and keep in mind, you know, Heather is one of the leading financial experts in the country, and she has hit on emotional aspects of divorce because that's how entwined saving money and, you know, saving your emotional uh, well-being. Exactly. And my last comment on that, because I'm a business owner, you know, as well as a parent. And when I was going through the process, it's like every time we're negotiating, you know, we're paying thousand dollars plus per hour. And it's like, I can go make that money in my business. Like, you know, the distraction of what it takes from your breadwinning is significant, as well as the distraction that it takes from your parenting and that precious time with your kids. Yeah, all of the above. Great, great nugget to end on, Heather. So let's make sure everybody knows how to get in touch with you. And then you have a couple of um, of really helpful checklist handouts that you're willing yeah, to Yeah, so to the best on. way to get a hold of me is by email. My email is my first initial last name, hlocus at B as in boy, D as in David, F as in Frank, LLC.com, hlocus at bdfllc.com. Um, you could also call or text me. People rarely call, but lots of texting at 312-312-2144. That's 312-312-2144. And um, as you said, we have lots of checklists. We have a pre-divorce checklist packet and a post-divorce checklist um, that's from kind of summarizing the resources from the books that I'm happy to send to anyone if you want to email me or text or call me. Um, and then, as you said, the AAML book, uh, Financial Issues in Divorce, the Client Handbook, is available on the AAML website. It's aaml.org. Um, so you can feel free to purchase it there. You know, everyone out there, this is, you know, these are really the, the top tips from the, the top person to help you actually save money. Um, I actually always tell people when you hire a financial professional, people are always like, well, isn't that going to cost me more money? I think you can see here where if you hire the right financial professional, you are going to be spending money and making more money than you spend with the right person. So Heather, thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Super fun. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.
Please note, Balasa D'Inverno Fultz, LLC, BDF, does not serve as an attorney, accountant, or insurance agent. BDF does not prepare estate planning documents or tax returns, nor does it sell insurance products. Please see the important disclosure information in the notes of this podcast. BDF's current written disclosure statement discussing advisory services and fees is available for review at www.bdfllc.com or by request.